Thanks to not doing the show for a while, I suddenly realized that I was supposed to have a quote here. Zach, right now. Aloha, bienvenidos, and welcome to Noob Island, a place for nerdy fun, friendships, and learning. I'm Professor T. And I'm Professor Z. Much like the starting zone of many video games, the goal of our island resort is to teach visiting noobs about geeky subjects, but away from the stress of having to worry about sweaty tryhards, griefers, know-it-alls, or neckbeards. We like to think of it as learning and luxury. Noob? Yes, Professor? Tell the rest of your class something about yourself and what you're here to learn about. Also, your name. Uh, kind of important. <laughs> uh, Mackenzie, or Mac, if you're feeling fancy. Uh, we're learning about magic and the Marvel Universe, Marvel Universe, and I'm an aspiring wizard. <laughs> yeah, sure. Fair sure. enough. Sure. I mean, you're going to be a better wizard. Well, well, I would trust you with magic more than some of the other characters we've talked about. That's not a high bar, though. Like, below Brother Voodoo, but definitely above Jericho Druid. <laughs> Thank you. I admit that's a super low bar, but it's like a really low bar. <laughs> well, with that in mind, Professor Z, what's our lesson today? Witches. As we go into this, I have one question myself: uh-huh. Which witch is which? <laughs> so. Uh, I'm just going to skip right past that. One of the characters (laughs) that we are talking about today definitely should fall under the sorcerer thing. But to be honest, I didn't realize how big she was until I was looking at various magic users later on, because she's a pretty new character, and that's Zelma Stanton. Again, which is... Not all of them are witches, but it's... The difference between sorcerer and witches is so poorly defined in Marvel. More than likely, if you had to, like, separate them, people are throwing them in the witch category. Whether it's... It does sort of still fall under, if you're a woman, you're called a witch. Mm-hmm. And I'm not crazy about that, but it's kind of how things went. That's why I keep bringing it up, like, every episode. Um, And then we read, when we'll get to this later, witches! Yes, we did. Oh, boy. Uh, Mackenzie, I am going to list off the characters that we have, that we are covering today. You are going to give me a quick what you know about them, mostly from the reading here, but... Cool. Also, no from extra readings research. we've done. Yes, okay. Because all of these characters have come up in other stuff. Number one, Topaz. Uh, she, in this book, is the assistant to Strange and is gifted magically... That's all I really know. And Doctor Strange teaching someone goes about as well with her as it does with literally everyone else. I'd say worse in this situation. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer Kale. Uh, she is the sister to the brother Kale who opens the book and lets the demon out. Uh, apparently their ancestors put that demon in the book and they're the only ones who can put it back in the book. That's accurate. Uh, okay. Uh, Zelma Stanton. She's not from this book, but we will be covering her today. Nothing. Okay. And Agatha Harkness. Oh boy. (laughs) One of my favorite witches. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there's a lot about her that we've talked about. Uh, mostly that she was dead and a spirit helping 
the Scarlet Witch in the previous books we read and has been around a long time in general, so she's very knowledgeable. Accurate. Okay. So you, other than Zelma, you have the basic stem. Is that Satana? Was that her other name in the book? Because I know she is in this book. Or Satana. Satana. Who is not, we will be covering her later. Later, because she is a demon from hell as opposed to an actual human magic user. Yes. Half yes. demon? Half demon. Half demon. Probably. Succubus powers. We're counting yeah, her as a demon. Demon. No. That's okay. fine. I'm not going to argue. So, <laughs> a lot of these characters fall under the uh, girlfriend slash sidekick characters. I think only one of them is an actual romantic interest. But these are characters that aren't getting their own episodes because they're usually revolving around other characters who do. I mean, for example, Agatha Harkness has never had her own ongoing comic before. Although, she's getting her own ongoing TV series, so I give it a year. Yeah. Hopefully it's the same actor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. But yeah, no, Catherine I mean in the Hall. comic. Yeah, Within yeah. a year, we will be getting two at the most. Heck we yeah. will be getting a Agatha Harkness, like, Marvel Unlimited short or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm fine with that. We will start here today with Topaz, who, even though I said these are all kind of girlfriend characters, is admittedly the only one who's ever actually a girlfriend. That's probably a good thing, because one of the others hangs out with man thing. <laughs> Topaz, admittedly, does not know her origins or her real name. She is literally just Topaz. As a child, she was rescued by the sorcerer Taboo, who was uh, rescued her from an Indian prison camp. When we say Indian, we do mean... <clears throat> India. India, yes, not Native American. Years later, Taboo, who mostly is important, and which is why we're not talking about him other than this, is as connected to Topaz. Uh, years later, Taboo uses Topaz to control the werewolf, or the werewolf by night, known as Jack Russell. Long sigh. <laughs> Realizing that she kind of likes Jack Russell and does not actually want to kill him, uh, Topaz ends up freeing him, siding with him, and is cast out by Taboo. At this point, she starts hanging out with him, comes his girlfriend, dates the furry guy named after a dog. But during this time, she actually becomes a pretty major part of the story, uh, helping him learn about his family history, which is a big ongoing mystery that we will talk about in our Jack Russell episode, and even helping him fight Dracula. Because the Marvel horror comics of the 70s are freaking great. Yep. Jack's grandmother, Maria Rusoff, uses Topaz to help raise an army of zombies, but is eventually convinced to not do that because Jack Russell would die in the process. And she's like, well, I want revenge on so-and-so. Ah, oh, crap, revenge is going to kill my grandson. Oh, I didn't think this part through. You know, traditional villain stuff. Oops. Uh, shortly afterwards, Topaz is used by a villain named Dr. Glitter Knight, who, I looked this guy up, Sounds way cooler than he looks. He okay. kind of looks like Uatu the Watcher. Okay. Except with a smaller head <laughs> and is human-sized. Okay. Oh, yeah, he's lame. As uh, Dr. Glitter Knight should be the most wild, acid, 70s <laughs> when you look at his Marvel supervillain, and instead he's got a blue cloak with yellow highlights and no hair and way too much forehead. No, he. when you look at his clothes, you should see, like, the universe. <laughs> He needs like sunglasses <laughs> with spirals. So, like this yeah. is, this is what Doctor. I'm just disappointed. 
in, uh, I think, Gary Conway here. Marv Wolfman. Dr. Glitter Knight exploits her and steals part of her soul to create a quote-unquote soul beast. Admittedly, having not read these issues, I'm not quite sure what a soul beast is or what a soul beast does, but... Similar to magic, this does lead to not the only time that Topaz loses her soul or part of her soul. And it's never quite clear which one it is. It happens a lot. Yeah, it's a thing. Uh, Topaz helps save Lissa, Jack, uh, Jack Russell's sister, from becoming a werewolf. And after discovering what Glitter Knight has done to her, a.k.a. stealing her soul, she fights the villain, regaining her soul in the process. Nice. Topaz then kills Mephisto. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's a jump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty good escalation there. Or, you know, kind of kills Mephisto, because he gets better. It's Mephisto. Yeah, it's really sort of his thing. In retaliation for the seeming death of Mephisto, his minions trap her in another dimension with a spell that would remove another portion of her soul and rob her of her empathic powers if she ever leaves. <laughs> Later, Mephisto comes back to life, but is immediately murdered by Franklin Richards, the son of the uh, Mr. Fantastic Invisible Woman of the Fantastic Four. I saw that, yes. She will, or uh, Franklin will be coming up later this episode, too. I actually read the wrong book. Yeah, No, you've been asking me about this comic I haven't read for a year now. Because <laughs> he read one extra Doctor Strange. <laughs> Topaz is freed from her imprisonment. Her soul is eventually restored by Doctor Strange. Uh, and she, at this point, becomes Strange's on-and-off-again apprentice. Basically, for a while, if... Strange needs an apprentice, Topaz is there. If it doesn't fit the story for Strange to have an apprentice, Topaz is not there. She'll also get mad at him a couple of times because he's like, I'm using the dark arts. And she's like, you should not be doing that. I'm going to go now. I've stopped using the dark arts. What up? I'm back. <laughs> Topaz in the house. Later on, she uh, takes over a bar called the Voodoo Lounge because Marvel does not believe in subtlety. Uh and tries to lead just a quiet life, but Dormammu, getting word about her whereabouts and still holding a grudge, uh, has an agent enslave the young sorceress. Doctor Strange comes to her rescue, Topaz helps Strange in another battle, and ends up becoming his apprentice again. And I, again, I'm skipping over this real fast, because she's not that important, mm. but this is like, here, gone, here, gone, here, gone. Uh, shortly afterwards, Topaz is recruited along with Jennifer Kale and Satana. Although saying Doctor Strange recruited Satana as opposed to forcibly kidnapped is a very <laughs> kind terminology to uh, stop the opening of the Tome of Zared Na and the freeing of the Hellfear, which Lo we will discuss later. Loki, I want to go visit her bar. That sounds kind of cool. That, that actually sounds significantly better. <laughs> the Tome Lounge just, like, it sounds like it's problematic, but it's going to be a good night. Yeah. Like The Tome of Zerdna, of course, being, like, the C-list Necronomicon standing. Yes, it's not even the Darkhold, like, which will also get... God, actually, I'm really looking forward to doing an episode of the Darkhold. It does some wild things. And honestly, from what I can tell, this book in 2004 is the last time that we saw... Topaz. Huh. If she has appeared again, it's been in pretty minimal things. Okay. With this note, unless you have any questions, okay. we are going to skip forward to Jennifer Kale. Cool. Jennifer Kale. Wendy the Good Little Witch? Yes. 
which is apparently one of her names, along with <laughs> Jenny and which woman? But she's just Jennifer Kale. She's one of those like, I'm a sorceress. I don't need a freaking code name. I'm Jennifer freaking Kale. That's all you need. She is a descendant of the sorceress Zared Na, um, which is a fun name. I honestly legitimately kind of like it. Zared Na traces back to ancient Atlantis. Now, as a quick reminder, because we mentioned this on the first episode, and it probably has not come up since, ancient Atlantis is different than underwater ruled by Namor Atlantis. Mm -hmm. This is the Atlantis from the Robert E. Howard, Cole, and Conan stories. Got it. It's basically Britain, but like 15,000 years ago Britain. With magic. Well, yes. But remember, the Robert E. Howard Conan stories are all true in the Marvel Universe. One of the famous points of Atlantis is that Atlantis does sink beneath the ocean and was known as the Great Cataclysm. Mm -hmm. Zared Na had visions that it was going to sink and started mourning, but in a uh, unnervingly accurate representation of the world, instead of listening to what she said, they just kicked her off of Atlantis. She travels to the mainland meets a group of Atlanteans, and starts the cult of Zared Na. When Atlantis sinks, instead of going, hey, she was right, they went, she did it. And they banish the cult. But she goes off on her way, continues doing her Zared Na offense. <laughs> they suck, that's all. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they just suck. Thanks. He looked very confused at that point, and it's just because they suck. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the main important point of this is that one of her pupils is a man named Dakim, the Enchanter, who, she doesn't give immortality, but he does age at an increasingly slow rate to the point that he's still around 18,000 years later in the modern day. So Dakim has wares if you have coin? <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will point out Jennifer Kale does look like Red Sonia mixed with the Valkyrie. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dakim just looks like a straight up generic wizard, yeah. except like ready to throw down. It's amazing. <laughs> He's, He's like the, not frail. He He's boy. like I mean, we're looking at a picture right now. It is worth your time wow. to Google Dakim the Enchanter just to see how weirdly pointy his hat is. I love it. Um, remember, this is from Steve Gerber's Swamp Thing run, which we will probably be reading in its entirety later on. Gerber was wildly ahead of his time in creating just absolutely bonkers comics. Super cool. Thousands of years later, the cult of Zaredna is uh, led by a man known as Joshua Kale, Jennifer Kale's grandfather. He has, amongst other things, the Tome of Zaradnan that at one point disappears. Like it does. Yep. And his daughter is slowly learning about witchcraft. But she's doing it in that kind of classic behind-my-grandfather's-back kind of way. I'll be honest, I'm not 100% clear if he was just being like, no magic for you, you are a small teen, and that's a terrible decision. Or if he was teaching her a bit, and she's like, I know what I'm doing, and just... Maybe a little bit of both. Doing things that she shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. But... In that doing things that she shouldn't be level, she does summon the Hell Lord Thog. Ah, yes. Thog the Nether Spawn. <laughs> Thog. Not to be confused with Throg. Thog is not going to. Throg will come up in our Thor episodes. <laughs> Thog might come up in our Hell Lord episodes, but only because 
<laughs> Technically, he's considered a Hell Lord. Fog looks almost exactly like Jafar when he becomes a genie. I will never unsee that. Um, oh my god. That, I'm pretty sure the image on, we're looking at the Marvel database. I'm pretty sure that's from the Defenders six, five, six Fingered Hand Saga or whatever it's called. Mm. Uh, which is a really good run, but Fog is not important as a rule. This is the way he went. <laughs> Fog... Uh, turns out not to be under control because it turns out when you summon a Hell Lord, they don't actually have to listen to you that strongly. Oh, weird. I know. <laughs> but Jennifer is saved by the man thing. Question Do you have any idea what I'm talking about when I say man thing? Uh, no, but my. I feel like image... we have to bleep that sentence. I know we don't, but. <laughs> it doesn't help that there's a comic, the most infamous comic title of all time Giant, giant Size, size man, man Thing, thing number one. <laughs> Marvel used to do Giant Size. It was Giant Size X Men, is where like Storm and Nightcrawler first appeared. Giant. It was like an annual, it was a big thing. Mm. But Man Thing. They didn't think that through. <laughs> no, no, they probably did. Went. <laughs> Yeah, we have to do it. <laughs> Rupert got giant size man thing number one. I just think of Beast Boy when you say that. I don't know why. Beast Boy would love that. Uh, man thing is basically Swamp Thing. Oh, okay. I mean, literally, the two people were living in the same house. The creator of Swamp Thing and the creator of Man Thing. They were roommates. Got it. The books came out within three months of each other. No one knows which one came up with it first. They both just sat down and were like, we're going to write a Swamp Monster story. It almost became a legal battle until somebody poked them in their sides and went, guys, the heap has existed for a while. Yeah. Heap is basically the same thing. Uh, and also they went in wildly different directions immediately. Got it. Nice. Anyways, the man thing who is a giant swap monster who, uh, if you touch him while you are afraid, you will catch on fire. Okay. And he cannot speak, and he is a shambling swarm. He's great. I'm so excited for the Man-Thing episode. Uh, but, I mean, literally, that's his thing. What Saves her from fog. What power is that? <laughs> Man, I'm scared. <laughs> uh, those who... Uh, I don't... I, there's a great quote about it. But those just who know fear. Burn at the touch of the Man-Thing mm -hmm. or something. Basically, if you're like, ah! He's like, ha-ha! <laughs> or if you... <laughs> He just says boo out the closet. There's Man-Thing. Oh, he looks awesome. Man-Thing is super cool. He will get an episode. It's coming up. I'm he very excited. He looks way cooler than he sounds. <laughs> Grandfather Joshua Kale realizes that Jennifer has a psychic link with the Man-Thing, and from this point on, they become buddies. They actually, like, soups tight. I was going to say like this and cross my fingers, but again, audio medium. Soups tight. Soups tight. <laughs> Jennifer and the Man-Thing are magically transported to the other dimensional world of Sand, which is spelled like sand, but with a T at the end. Cool. Where they first meet Dakeem. Dakeem, the guy from way back when. Now, old as hell, Dakeem pretends to want to have Jennifer and the Man-Thing killed, and he sends Man-Thing into a gladiator arena. Turns out he was just testing them all along. Wanting to prove that they were uh, the ones he's been waiting for and strong enough to deal with whatever weird prophecy things that Dakeem is up to at this moment. Okay. When they succeed, Dakeem sends them back to their swamp. Man-Thing just wants to hang out in his swamp. It's uh, whatever knows fear burns at the Man-Thing's touch. Yeah, that's freaking cool, man! 
That's going to be my intro. Spoiler alert, that's what I'm going to read at the beginning of the Man-Thing episode. <laughs> the Tome of Zaradna somehow disappears, and as a result, Earth is now vulnerable to invasion from the planet Samanus. Takim appears to Jennifer and explains that his real purpose for all of the, you know, chicanery he's been up to, kidnapping them, forcing them to do gladiator arenas, yada, 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 is all a plan to save the Earth. He magically uh, changed her clothes into that of the priestess of Zaradna cult, and assisted by Dakim and the Man-Thing, Jennifer recovers the tome from an other-dimensional world and brings it back to Earth, temporarily halting the invasion. Jennifer then becomes Dakim's apprentice in sorcery. Okay. This is where uh, I mentioned that the timeline stuff of the tome of Zaradna is going to be kind of wild, because who knows when the magical demon thing ends up inside of it. We'll get to that. So far, not yet. Jennifer is captured again by Thog, who now intends to evade a planet named Theria, home of the godlike beings, and then use that to conquer all of reality. Dakim rescues Jennifer, and the two set out with their three allies. The Man-Thing, Korak, a warrior prince of the other dimensional world of Katharda. I love the 70s so much. <laughs> and Howard the Duck. <laughs> okay. Quick question. Because he's not getting his own episode in this one. Do you know who Howard the Duck is? person I've ever heard of in my life. George Lucas made a movie about him. George oh. Lucas likes to deny that he ever made a movie about him. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he is an anthropomorphic duck, not unlike Daffy or Donald Duck. Okay. <laughs> he scared. used to smoke a cigar. I'm scared. He lives on Earth, and he dates a hot redhead named, named uh, oh. Babs? Uh, something, something like, like that. that. Is this just Grandpa Duck? The, the Duck McScrooge guy? Scrooge McDuck from DuckTales? is not a wildly different... Like, it's the same concept, except he's Howard. <laughs> okay. He comes from Duck World. Of course he does. He's a private eye? He's a private eye. He just exists in the Marvel Universe because Steve Gerber was probably really high from what I've read about Steve Gerber. Made that. And no one's known what to do ever since. Nothing, just don't touch it. He's had his own ongoing series like four times. What? <laughs> Howard Duxon. <laughs> I love him. I don't, actually. Howard is really hit or miss for me, but... <laughs> Good old Howard Duxon. <laughs> While they travel dimensions, Howard accidentally falls back to Earth. That's my new game But the time. other four uh, arrive in Thria, where Man-Thing defeats Thog. Nice, okay. Howard okay. was not trying to get back to Earth. He wanted to go back to Duckburg, or Duckworld, or there's... He's had, like, six origins. Also, Steve Gerber got into a uh, rights battle with Marvel about who owned Howard, of all people, and later created a crossover comic with Spawn and... Not with uh, Spawn. With Spider-Man and Savage Dragon, which ends with Howard the Duck getting kidnapped by a like, imposter and never solving, so Gerber could be like, I stole him back. You know what, since he's not getting his own episode, and because this is kind of a throwaway episode anyway, Doctor Strange has mentored Howard the Duck at a time, and Howard the Duck has been shown in the comics using the Vapors of Altor, the Shield of the Seraphim, uh, and a few of the other spells, and some of uh, Strange's accoutrements. He also knows Duck Fu, if I remember, and at one point found the other Infinity Gauntlet. Like, the <laughs> Infinity Gauntlet's on, I think, the right hand. He found the matching sets. Oh, no. This character is more interesting than the entire book we read for this I'm episode. I'm so sorry that we're not... He, he has come up in other stuff, but he is not actually a magician. No. Oh, 
he is said to have immense magical potential from those episodes or those issues that he has with Strange, but that's never been gone actually gone into. The so. best part of Howard is no one knows how to deal with Howard. He's just there, and everyone's like, um, okay, <laughs> that okay. <laughs> he does have brief appearances in the backgrounds of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Really? That's right, he does appear in yeah. those. He's in the collector's collection. And he's at the whorehouse in the second one. Mm -hmm. Or I guess... to watch these again so I can just see... Ladies of the night household. (laughs) (laughs) Back to Jennifer Kale. Dakeem continues to train Jennifer until he is killed. Because it turns out it's really hard to be a sorcerer actively involved in saving the world. Particularly when you're 18,000 years old and the old joints don't work as well as they used to. Dang, man, I feel that. However, his spirit continues to manifest, and whenever they need it for a plot point, Dakeem will show up to help train Jennifer in the present. Hmm. Jennifer has also already become an extremely powerful sorceress and will probably one day become the equal of Zeridna herself. How important that is is questionable because Zeridna almost never comes up. But, I mean, she was pretty hot stuff back in the day. From this point on, for the most part, she will appear when Man-Thing or Howard the Duck or Doctor Strange or Spider-Man needs help, and for whatever reason, they want to keep the copyright. She moves to Malibu, California, and begins taking classes at CMU College. Uh, She starts dating a man named Bernard Drabble, and originally takes a MBA track, but eventually switches to a dual major in painting and interpretive dance. Good for her. Yeah. Living her life. That's a very expensive way to get interpretive dance, but I, you know, dropped out of school for a fine arts degree, so I'm not throwing action in any actual shade. She does get kidnapped by a man named Omen to help form a team called the Legion of Night to face down the dragon, Fin Fang Foom, who is both an alien and a magic being at the same time, because he's just wherever they need a dragon. That's fine. So he's Dragonlance dragons? Mostly they just like to say the words Fin Fang Foom? I mean, I do too, so that's fine. There's <laughs> a spoiler for Dragonlance. They're After, aliens. <laughs> After defeating Fin Fang Foom, the Legion decides to band together, since this was a first step in an increasingly larger, or in dealing with increasingly large occult threats. They, from that point on, are not very important to the rest of the universe. A huge thing in comics is this team gets together to stop a single threat and go, we were good. We should do more, and then they proceed to not do more. Just like in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Doctor Strange gets her to help out Daniel Ketch and his brother John Blaze, the Ghost Riders. Dang. Uh, And it turns out that they are actually distantly related, uh, connected to their ancestor, Noble Kale, who is... He's not the first Ghost Rider, but at one point he was dubbed the first Ghost Rider. It's a whole thing. We'll get to it in our, like, six-part Ghost Rider series. Just, he's a big buff Ghost Rider. He's pretty cool. Yeah. She later helps Blaze. He's super nice. Because Johnny Blaze, at this point, not the Ghost Rider, is just calling himself Blaze. <laughs> Which, if my last name was called Blaze, I probably would want people to call me by my last name a lot, too. Like, yes. Yeah. Uh, his kids have gone missing, and she tries to help him find them. But first, she has to help Howard the Duck return to his home. They all mess up, and instead, her and Howard summon the Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy into her apartment. What? How, how do you go from trying to send someone home to summoning? Those are two different things. 
<laughs> you don't accidentally. Portals, man. Portals. <laughs> okay. Cool. Immediately afterwards, uh, Blaze and Jennifer Kale part on bad terms, not getting along at all in any moment of their experience, with him referring to her as a trainee wannabe witch. After this, she shortly appears helping out X-Force, mostly helping uh, Moonstar figure out why her powers have changed, being like, nope, not magic. Cool, that was fun. Talk to you later. Bye. She helps out with the witches, uh, trying to get back the Tome of Zerana, believing that it belongs to her family, what with them being the leaders of the cult of Zerana, and gets betrayed by Doctor Strange. Surprise, surprise. Afterwards, she joins the Initiative, which is a bit where the U.S. government was trying to form a superhero team for every state instead of overloading them in uh, New York like they've been. Weird. Okay. Did they ever give details on, like, who got what state? Like, what she who is did in, we get? Uh, yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> Montana was stated, and I was like, wow, that team sucks. I don't remember who it is. Oh, me to Google it real fast. No, I'll do. I'll do. Not yeah. at all related. No, you you continue your Jennifer Kale. I and will Google through in the up. background. Okay. Uh, she joins the initiative team command in Florida to help out with. You know, she likes. She does spend a lot of time in Florida because Man Thing hangs out in the Everglades. Uh, she helps out with the Scroll Secret invasion, and then she gets involved with fighting the zombies from Marvel Zombies. Because Marvel Zombies starts with, here's a world of zombies, like the Marvel Universe, but zombified. But then it becomes a story about them trying to get to our world so they can spend more time taking over stuff and doing zombie things. Okay. Uh, she ends up making a big enemy out of Headpool, the zombie Deadpool, which is just his head, with a little helicopter hat that he uses to fly around. Of course it is. Time has not been kind to Jennifer Kale, if we're being honest. I'm pretty sure this came about because Armor, the secret shield-like group fighting the zombies, had recruited Howard the Duck, so he recruited her to his ducky dozen. Mm. Just, just roll with it. Chasing down the Deadpool head, she does join the most recent incarnation of the Midnight Suns. There, while fighting a fish-based supervillain known as Piranha, Dormammu infects Piranha, I think. When I was reading about this, it just says Piranha Dormammu was talking to her. And when I researched it, they're two completely different characters. So I think Dormammu was infesting Piranha. Got it. And offers her power. But she says no, because it's Dormammu. But then says yes, because it turns out that uh, they were all going to die if she didn't in the classic. I'm going to do dark things for good purposes kind of thing. Okay. The next time we see her, she is immediately murdered. <laughs> okay. By Daniel Drum, the ghost of Brother Voodoo's brother. The more talented one. Yeah. I found the Montana Okay, you have to team. tell us. We've been asking. Yeah, yeah. So it was a version of Freedom Force. That, oh, God, we got Freedom Force? Yeah. That was uh, Challenger, Cloud Nine, Equinox, Spinner, and Think Tank. I... Only know two of those characters. Me. Who do you know? Cloud9. Okay. And uh, uh, I kind of know who Equinox is. Okay. And Equinox ended up being a, sc a scroll. Yeah. Oh, every <clears throat> member of the initiative had a scroll on it. It, uh, it was not well planned. Cloud9 just has like Goku's cloud from the original Dragon Ball series. Nimbus. 
and then they trained her to be a sniper. <laughs> so she had a flying cloud and a sniper rifle. You know, that's actually a good combo. It's amazing. <laughs> that's actually really effective. I was like, I don't love that you turned this like sweet, innocent girl into a sniper, <laughs> but Ruthless I killer. don't disagree with your decision either. It's pretty good. So Challenger saw, I just looked up who Challenger is. He basically knows some martial arts. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> there was a lot of, let's make some martial artists in the 70s after Bruce Lee became popular. And sent into Montana. So, let's see. Spinner is a superheroine whose powers rotate every 24 hours. Some of the powers she's shown to have is invulnerability, super strength, super speed, and flight. Why not just be like roulette or like spinner seems like the weirdest. And think tank has telekinesis. His brain is in a liquid filled globe in the place of his head. All right. See that one. I at least like, because that's some classic 50 sci-fi right there. <laughs> God, this wow. We have a terrible team. Yeah. It's Montana, man. We're not very also, important. we should know freedom force is what the brotherhood of evil mutants called themselves when they joined the U S government. And we're still evil. God, nothing good came out of the Freedom Force, any version of it. Jennifer comes back to life, uh, partially through, I think, Dormammu things. It admittedly is really unclear because originally they're like, Daniel killed her. Well, he might not have killed her. He might have been lying, but she's at least missing. Nope, definitely killed her. And then she's back again, but half of her face is now scarred, all two-faced style. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, she is recruited by Maria Hill to help out Electra and ends up taking on a team called Miss Tech. She later, with her face fixed in an unexplained manner, uh, summons the demon Belasco from Hell, the guy who trained magic, so Swamp Thing could take revenge on him. But Belasco's not scared. Probably is when my Man Thing shows up. Also, Belasco's a bit of a... This brings us to Zelma Stanton, magical librarian. She should just get a series that's just titled that. I'd watch it. Yeah, exactly. Zelma Stanton was just having a really bad day. She had <laughs> what at first she thought was a rash, and then teeth and claws started growing out of it. Crap. <laughs> that's something you see, doctor. And eyes. She goes to the hospital, understandably freaked out. The hospital is also understandably freaked out because this poor librarian woman is popping up with, like, army of darkness stuff happening, like teeth and eyes being like, ah, 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 out of her forehead. I think it's her forehead. Oh, no. Just wear a hat. <laughs> Look, man, a hat's only going to do so much. A friend suggests she seeks help from Doctor Strange. That's fair. She visits Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum, where Strange is like, well, that's wild. I've never never seen anything like that before, man. That's Let's not, go see what that is. That's not what and you he takes hear. her to the library, where she instantly falls in love, because it's a pretty sweet library. He attempts to cast a spell to purge whatever pokes out of her head, but that causes countless mind maggots to come out of it. Turns out that what's been going on is she's been infested by mind maggots. I should note, they don't look like maggots. They just kind of look like little demon imp things, which is a missed opportunity as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. They were much scarier when they looked like maggots in my head. Also gross. Uh, we end up with kind of a Scooby-Doo chase around the mansion going down. To collect all the maggots? Uh, they get separated. Zelda's 
trying to figure stuff out. She meets Wong. Wong takes her back to the library. Strange has remained there to uh, figure out more about the mind maggots. The creatures are linked to Zelma, so in order to trap them, Strange convinces her to shout her deepest secrets to lure them out. And I am trying to remember what some of the deepest secrets are. This sounds like a really bad fan fiction. They mentioned some of these. Actually, it's a really great Doctor Strange run. I'll read it. It's, it's just... wild, but it's... <laughs> Among other of her deeper secrets, she cheated to get her driver's license. She thinks her niece is ugly. She hates her mother's meatloaf so much that she convinced her mother that she was a vegetarian so she would never have to eat it again. Oof. She voted for J. Jonah Jameson for mayor. <laughs> she doesn't like dogs. She pretends to cry at funerals. And she dreams about seeing the world but is afraid to leave her house. Which admittedly ends that on a much darker note than like, dogs suck and my niece is ugly. <laughs> my mom's meatloaf sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it works. <laughs> Tracted by her screaming embarrassing things. And I'm going to say headcanon doesn't actually have to do that. Doc Strange just want, like had a bet going with Wong or something. Yeah. <laughs> just winking at Wong. <laughs> She's falling for it. I bet she hates dogs. Let's find out. <laughs> As she's leaving, Strange offers her a job as a librarian because his library desperately needs help. Mm -hmm. And she takes it on because, again, super sweet magic library. During this time, an anti-magic cult known as Empirical, which I made fun of in the Doctor Strange episode as well because it is spelled in a very stupid way, uh, is attempting to destroy all magic and does succeed in destroying many magic-based items, books, etc., making Zelma's work all the more important. Mm -hmm. Zelma and Doctor Strange travel to Weird World, hoping to find some of the missing magical items. Uh, they become stranded, Doctor Strange is injured, and Zelma is forced to scavenge for food and resources in crazy magic land. Zelma uses one of the few spells she's managed to write down to transfer Steven's illness from him to herself allowing Stephen to transport them back and save them. Mm. The process of curing her of this increases her magical potential, and though Strange tries to talk her out of it, he does also offer to make her an apprentice. Of course he does. In that kind of like, <laughs> you could walk away right now and have a much easier life, but if you want to stay, I'll teach you. There is a kind of will-they-won't-they they going on with them as, like, kind of romantic interest, because let's be honest, Strange has never found an apprentice he's not at least a little into. And I'm counting Rintra, the giant green minotaur man, in that storyline. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But Zelma chooses to stay and becomes Doctor Strange's apprentice. For this next part, I'm going to explain the story a little bit, even though she's not a huge part of it. Because it's one of these things that I do a lot of research for this. I, I try to read as many of the stories as I can, but especially when we're covering characters like Doctor Strange, so many things happen. Yeah. That it's really easy to miss stuff that when I explain it, it sounds wildly important. But it only took a place across like two issues, so it, it doesn't even come up in a lot of retellings. I did mention before that Loki replaces Doctor Strange as the Sorcerer Supreme, thanks to tricky Loki tricks. Mm -hmm. But I didn't explain the story behind it, or how Strange dealt with this by sneaking to Yggdrasil, the, you know, life tree from Norse myth, and becoming the literal god of magic. And that's how he beats Loki. Wow. And then they actually end up teaming up and all sorts of fun stuff. But... Uh, the important part of that, beyond the fact that that story is freaking wild and you should read it, it's the Donny Cates run of Doctor Strange. 
when Loki becomes the new Sorcerer Supreme, Zelma hangs out with him. She hangs out with Loki and kind of has the loyalty to the title of Sorcerer Supreme mm-hmm. over the title of Stephen. Partly because Stephen disappears in the night, leaving only a note, and she holds a hardcore grudge. During this time, though, it's interesting, Loki uh, definitely expresses romantic interest in her in a way that is much more believable than literally everything else Loki does during that run. Every other time, you're like, you're Loki, you're lying, but I'm like, oh, you super into her, that one, mm-hmm. I believe. After finding out that there's a whole bunch of shams on both sides, and that Stephen Strange had hidden an incredibly powerful spell inside Zelma's soul to keep people from like Loki from finding it, she's like, screw both of you, leaves. Both of them try to get her to stay, but for different reasons. Loki's like, hey, what's up? And Strange's like, I care about you all. You grafted an evil spell on my soul without telling me. Yeah, that ain't cool. If you had told me, I probably would have been down. Strange is being strange. Yeah, I know. Yeah. She appears again where Dormammu is kidnapping people Strange cares about and ends up teaming up with Yao, the Ancient One, to help create a new sorcerer library and then becomes the librarian and kind of student counselor of Strange Academy. Zelma Stanton. There's not much to her. She's only been created within the last few years. Yeah, uh, 2015. Oh, I was going to guess 2012. So even younger than I realized. This brings us to our last character, Agatha Harkness. Agatha Harkness is mostly around when you need an ethically ambiguous witch to be a guard to somebody. (laughs) We don't know much about Agatha's life, except that she has been alive since at least 500 years before Atlantis sinks, making her a good couple centuries older than Zared Na. My, my. (laughs) (laughs) Part of the reason we don't know about this is because Marvel lost the Conan license for like 20 years, so a lot of those background stories they had popped up they suddenly couldn't talk about. Oops. However, what we know between the period of that and the Salem Witch Trials is largely non-existent. So there is almost 20,000 years of history that we just don't know anything about. Get out of Marvel. <laughs> hey, uh, Harkness settles in the English colony of Salem, Massachusetts, uh, hoping to create a coven of witches to freely practice magic in the New World. In 1692, when the Puritans are uh, doing the Salem Witch Trials, she encounters a time-traveling mutant known as Firestar from the New Warriors, who also first appeared in Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, that terrible cartoon from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Turns out Agatha has been giving away witches to the trials, like the weak ones being like, well, if you're dumb enough to get caught, you deserve to be burned. Hung, whatever. Wow. Also, in the Marvel Universe, the Salem Witch Trials had actual witches and not just wild hysteria. Which I actually don't like, because I have read up on the Salem Witch Trials quite a bit, and it is a fascinating, horrifying experience. Crazy. But I understand why, from a storytelling perspective, there is appeal to this. Mm. Also, side note, thanks to Marvel not being always as close with like a single continuity as we want them to be, various characters that have been in Salem during the Witch Trials. Agatha, grown right. naturally. One of the Sorcerer Supremes was in charge of Salem at this time. Okay. Uh, one of the Mathers, but not one of the real ones. Spider-Man, Scarlet Witch, The Vision, the new war- warrior named Firestar, and Doctor Doom have all 
been present in the Salem Witch Trials, thanks to time travel shenanigans. Weird. No X-Men? Surprisingly? No, now that you might... Oh, Firestar joined the X-Men uh, later. Yeah. But not until, like, 20 years later. Surprisingly. I, I feel like uh, X-Men would have been there, too. Right? I like. <laughs> they do enough time hopping. They do a lot of time travel. It, like... Rachel Gray, Jean Gray's alternate universe daughter. That's mm, don't have time to go into that one, but I could totally see like Nightcrawler's also there hiding in the shadows, being like, "Stop it, <laughs> stop it!" <laughs> Firestar's like, "Hey, maybe it's kind of messed up that you are sacrificing weaker magic users to try. I guess try. I'm not even sure what Agatha's really up to. She's like, I'm making magic users stronger, but eh." Agatha surprisingly agrees that maybe I shouldn't do this and instead travels to what today will be known as Colorado and founds the city of New Salem, which is a all-out magical community. Hmm. Over the next two centuries where she is in control of New Salem, she marries someone unknown and has a child by the name of the probably fake name of Nicholas Scratch. Okay. Uh, I say probably fake because Nicholas Scratch is one of the folk names for the devil. So you know, probably not his real name. <laughs> wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. <laughs> Nicholas Scratch will go on to have multiple children who are all mutated by magic to create the super sometimes villain, sometimes hero team, Salem Seven. That sounds kind of fun. They'll come up again later, which is why I'm referring to him now. Agatha, during this time, will continue to do her occasional whoops, sacrificed people. Because they're too weak of magic. Let them, you know. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how terrible you got kidnapped by witch hunters. Oh, they think they got everybody now. Bye. Good luck. <laughs> that said, she does help out during the American Revolutionary War, joining a group known as the Daughters of Liberty, that in the modern day, pretty much every major female superhero is a member of. Mm. She also helps out in World War II, where she meets Captain America. Uh, and helps out, along with the Emerald Warlock, a kind of pre-shield group called the Department of the Uncanny. Interesting. So she's been involved with the Scarlet Witch's family for a long time. Long time. The next time we see her is the beginning of what we would call the modern age. It took place in the 60s at the time, but it's in the, like, age of superheroes. Because... Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible, at the time, girl, but I'm going to continue to refer to her as the Invisible Woman, because I think girl is condescending, need a nanny for their baby, Franklin, because they keep going off into places like the Negative Zone, or get kidnapped by Doctor Doom, or time, you know, whatever weird science superhero stuff they're up to. I am going to guess that this story happened because either Jack Kirby or Stanley watched House on Haunted Hill and decided to uh, make a story based off of it because they go, the Fantastic Four join Agatha and spend the night in her creepy mansion where they're attacked by the Frightful Four. <laughs> okay. Who was a big supervillain team of the era. Um, the wingless wizard, who is not a wizard, he uses... Uh, Technology, mm. but to make it look like magic. The Spider-Man villain, the Sandman. Ooh. The villain, Paste Pot Pete. Okay. He has glue guns. Okay. <laughs> he tries to change his name to Trapster. It never gets better. 
Yes, and <laughs> the fourth member is rotating. I'm not 100% sure who is a member at this time, but probably the Inhuman Medusa. Pro yeah, I think it's Medusa at that time. Medusa. There's a ton of... I'm looking through... Frightful 4 has been used a lot more than I ever would have guessed. There's a lot of incarnations for that team. If the wizard shows up and he's a not a huge, but a relatively big Fantastic Four villain, there's usually the Frightful 4... And there's a pretty much rotating fourth member of the cast. But Medusa was a really common one because he kidnapped her and uh, brainwashed her. What's up? You Next Halloween, like I'm going to get a cape and two hot glue guns and put them in holsters. Oh, the costume's so much worse than you're even imagining. <laughs> it really bad. is. He's got, like, giant glue bandoliers. Like, it's... Uh, it's not good. It, it, there. Spider-Man makes fun of him oh a lot. Who wouldn't? Oh my goodness. But also the wizard. <laughs> yeah, the wizard's hat makes him look like a conehead. Anyways, back to Whisper Hill, which is the creepy name of Agatha Harkness's creepy mansion, where she's off doing creepy witch things and being a babysitter. Uh, the Frightful Four attack, and there is an ongoing kind of goofy match between the, the Thing and the Human Torch versus the Frightful Four, but Agatha Harkness ends up taking them all on herself, uh, including using her cat Ebony, who can transform into a panther. Like, oh, it's my little house cat, and now it's a panther! Go get him! Agatha! <laughs> Deciding that this is the perfect person to be the nanny of Franklin Richards, they hire her after the night. That's fair. Not realizing she's a magician. Just being like, well, that was strange. They're supposed to be scientist people. Recognizing that there's something weird with her son because he has glowing eyes and seems to be prescient. <laughs> the invisible woman talks to Agatha about it and she's like, nah, don't worry about it. I haven't seen anything weird. She's like, well, don't I don't believe you. <laughs> don't, don't worry about I it. But I guess I'm going to go deal with stuff. <laughs> it's fine. I got it. Also, Ben Grimm finds a book called, titled Tales of Old Salem. And she's like, you think I'm a witch, don't you? Don't you? Run away, Mr. Thing. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I am making this sound much more Benny Hill than it was, but Stanley was kind of like that as a writer. Uh, they eventually do learn about her magic powers when she reveals them to save Reed Richards, who had become trapped in the negative zone. And after this point, they're like, all right, you're super someone that can help deal with the fact that my son has reality warping powers, which is why she wanted to hang out with them. Uh, between them, Agatha and Franklin will be involved in taking on the Overmind, Dr. Doom. She gives the warning of the arrival of Airwalker, one of the Heralds of Galactus, psychically contacts the president to help the Fantastic Four make him take the threat of Galactus seriously. Uh, and uses Franklin's powers to destroy Ultron, the the robot guy from Age of Ultron. Terrible movie, pretty good villain. Yeah. She is abducted by Nicholas Scratch, who at this point has taken over New Salem because he has convinced New Salem that she has revealed the existence of New Salem to the Fantastic Four. She, in fact, had not, and the reason the Fantastic Four found out about it was because someone kidnapped their nanny. They free Agatha, and uh, she reveals the evil of Nicholas Scratch and banishes him to another dimension. Scratch will try to escape multiple times, and it becomes an off, on again, off again. I will control New Salem, or I will defeat you, Mom. No, go away. You are not my son anymore. 
after the Salem Seven takes over the New Salem community, they uh, capture Agatha and burn her at the stake to death. Oh. I guess karma uh, During this time, she had been... <laughs> yeah, right? Like, kind of hard to, like, judge them for that one. Uh, during this time, she had been being a teacher to the Scarlet Witch. Now, in this battle where the Scarlet Witch defeats Salem Seven, the Scarlet Witch absorbs a bunch of magical energy from the town and from Salem Seven, and that's the original explanation for how she got pregnant from a robot just from a robot, actually. I can just end that sentence right there. Uh, as we have discussed in the Scarlet Witch episode, there will be retcon after retcon after retcon after retcon dealing with this fact. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you don't know, the birds and bees of how it works with a synthesoid is you absorb the psychic energies of a town. And then you get preggers. And then seven people. Yeah. And seven people. Yeah. That mm-hmm. all are like, I'm a fish man. You know yes. why? Because of magic. <laughs> yes, you are. I'm going to say if the Agatha Harkness TV series doesn't have the Salem Seven somewhere, I'm going to be super disappointed. Agatha resurfaces later, completely refuses to explain where she came from or how she came back from life from being burned to death. Pops up and is like, hey, actually, in case you didn't know, those aren't your children. They're part of my physical soul. And then just kind of hangs out as the Scarlet Witch has a mental breakdown and tries to take over the Earth for a little while. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Trains Wanda further in her powers, erases Wanda's memory of having her children, gives her back her memory of having her children. Go listen to the Scarlet Witch episode on this part. We're kind of skating through here. Uh, helps explain that she has chaos magic and helps resurrect the dead Avenger, Wonder Man. Later... When Wanda has her mental breakdown because she somehow once again forgets that she had children because the person writing that didn't do his research, Wanda kills Agatha. Oops. Whoops. Again. (laughs) That was the end of Agatha for a long time until she comes back as a ghost in the Scarlet Witch series. At the end of that story, after helping save the goddess of witchcraft, Agatha is returned to life. She gets involved with uh, the... What, did, what was it? The Daughters of Liberty, once again. Is that the name? Do I have that yep, right? Yep, the Daughters of Liberty. I mean, I've only read it within the last five minutes. <laughs> uh, and helps Captain America when he is framed for the murder of General Thunderbolt Ross, a major villain of the Hulk stories. She also teams up with Shuri a couple of times, the younger sister of Black Panther. And her kind of... There's not much going on with Agatha right now. It's a lot of times, oh, we need a magic thing. We'll drop Agatha here or there. Part of the reason why we think that there will be an Agatha, a a big Agatha story at the very least within the next year or two. Yeah, Agatha is currently in the process of blowing up. So we'll see what comes out of all of that. We've talked about this in General Nerdery. I have kind of given up being like, I never thought I would saw blank. I would see blank in a TV show. But Agatha Harkness, not only showing up in a TV show, but being far and away the most popular part of that TV show. A song involving Agatha. It's Agatha all along. Making like the streaming charts. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to deal with that. I'm not unhappy about it. She's pretty cool. But I'm not sure how to deal with this existing. Okay. That 
extremely scattered review is the basics of our witches stuff. We're going to take a quick break. And we can, well, oh. do you have any questions about what we went Please, over? Please, I'm very sorry. Before we go into. No, I'm good. Okay. Well, fine. Such an inquisitive subject there, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not have done extra reading on the side while waiting for this episode. I mean, that's great, man. You should. That makes me happy. You don't have to make that like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I'm What'd you read? Uh, i just been reading anything that deals with witches. <laughs> Attaboy. <laughs> okay. It's a lot. A lot Take of stuff. Take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk more about witches. So this book came out in 2004. I looked it up. It is exactly one year after Charlie's Angels Full Throttle came out. The second of the Charlie's Angels movies. Oh, so they were full on trying to capitalize And how badly they wanted to be Magic Charlie's Angels. And just failed. so egregiously strong here. Just really bad. No, <laughs> it's not even really bad. I would say the word, it's mostly forgettable, which yes, is almost it's not worse. It's not offensively, like, we talked about this. We warned you that this is not a good book. But it's not, like, offensively bad. Well, because, no, because then at least you have something to remember. It is somewhat hilariously bad. Um, I will have two good things to say about this book. But first, I guess, now that we've, like, this is terrible, Mac, (laughs) what'd you think? Uh, I laughed through the entire series. That's the right way to read this. And I had to review it. Uh, yesterday night because I had forgotten most of the story in our interim because it was like, I was like, what happened? Who were the characters? <laughs> I reviewed it right before you guys showed up. I have forgotten what happens. Uh, I had forgotten that there was even that vampire sorceress because she only appears for like half of the last issue. Everything about Lilith confuses me. The Marvel version of Lilith, and I'm... Part of the reason I'm glad we're doing this podcast is because I'm going to finally have to sit down and learn about characters like Lilith mm. and why Dracula's daughter has, like, two pointy things on her head and her hair's on fire, always. And a weird thing for Strange. Oh, she's super horny for him. But also hates him. Uh, oh, welcome to most Strange villains. Um, <laughs> it's a horny hate. <laughs> not inaccurate. <laughs> so, I do have... Two good things to say about this before Ooh, we go around. I only have one good thing, so can go, I start? You go with, first. Yeah, uh, Doctor Strange's cape illustrations was one of my favorites since reading Spawn. Strange's cape is super dope in this. <laughs> Billowing out at people. This is the era that Mike Diodato Jr.'s art was at some of the best it's ever been, in my opinion. Uh, Mike Diodato Jr. is a pretty big artist in comics these days, but his work has gotten. At least to me, a little static. Mm. He's, I don't know if he's in a slump or just his style has moved in a way that I don't feel as much. At first, he was very, very 90s and not the good way. Like, huge boobs and terrible costume design. And he reworked Wonder Woman and she was wearing bike shorts for reasons that no one understands. It was like bike shorts that and a two-top okay. and like a leather jacket. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> He's come a long way. I think his art at this point is at a high point. This book, that said, is very early 2000s in what everyone is, you know, low-rise jeans. Ultra low-rise. Belly shirts. It is so our era of high school, or at least my era of Mm -hmm. high school, that it hurts. The other good thing I'm going to say, I love the idea of a Charlie's Angels 
but magic in the Marvel Universe. I think that could be a sweet book. This, this was not. Uh, I think Strange is the issue with the series. Among other things, no one was quite playing to character. Mm. Uh, Jennifer Kale is not usually that, like, 2000 sass girl. But also, I think, I mean, we've talked about how Doctor Strange is kind of a manipulative jerk. Like, mm. that's a big thing about Strange. They did him dirty here. It was pretty bad. He was, like, directly villainous, and I do not agree with that. You can get mad at Strange. Oh, I should have told you some stuff, but, like... I'm kind of the real bad guy. The whole time. Is not a good look for Doc Strange. When Satan is in the series, and I'm like, okay, like, you're just a bad guy, but you're not a bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) Strange is supposed to be a good guy, but I hate his guts. (laughs) There's an issue. (laughs) Yeah, I get the feeling that Brian Patrick Walsh, Walsh, the writer of this, is not a big Doctor Strange fan. Um, I don't know. It's the only thing I've read of his, but... Wouldn't surprise me. I did like the demon that was trapped in the book whenever it got there. The Hellfear. Oh, yeah. Whenever. Not a terrible name. It's yeah. very, again, very early 2000s. I think headcanon, I, it, from what we just talked about, I would like to think it got stuck in there during the Atlantic Age. Yeah, but... Other, so here's the part that I'm confused about. And I mentioned when we mentioned this, we'll get to this. People have been opening that book... A lot. Since Atlantis. Since Atlantis fell. So where did it... Just opening the book unleash the Hellfear. Where's the Hellfear been for generations? I don't know. Or did the Hellfear get put in later? If which if, if in that case, how did Doctor Strange know about that? Maybe a non-magic user opening it does it. Because the brother was not a magic user that I know of. He was just a weirdo... That was working in a library with Satan. <laughs> no one ever explains. Then that's not even real Satan. I know. That's the best part. It's like Marduk something or another. He will. He's not getting his own episode. He will come up prominently because he is. Also, I mean, he's clearly the father of Satana here, but that means he's also the father of Damien Hellstrom, mm. son of Satan. Mm hmm. You look like you're looking it up. Are you find? Are you trying to find the? I'm trying to see if I can, like, have anything extra to, to add into the Tomb of Zerdnod timeline. I do like just trying to look up things on the Tomb of Zerdnod. Just reminds me of like reading this story for the first time. I couldn't help but every time I read that name, immediately thinking to myself like, we're reading a story about not even the Darkhold. Why do yeah, I care? Yeah, Darkhold. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't even the Darkhold? I don't care. <laughs> this is like the, the like, store brand alternative of Dr. Pepper for the Darkhold. The, like, the Kroger Gabe. brand. Yeah, it's the Kroger <laughs> brand of evil books. It only does one thing. <laughs> Not very good. I guess, do you have anything... I mean, we went in knowing this wasn't going to be a good book because how were we going to not read the miniseries called Witches? But it does make it hard. Do you have any, I guess, questions or anything you want to talk about from this book? And I will try not to answer them with just, I don't know, man, shoddy writing. <laughs> um, but honestly, I don't know, man, shoddy writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of went in and left the series with the this is what it is type of yeah. <laughs> just here to enjoy it. Uh, I did, I guess I did like the uh, 
there were like so many parts where like the idea was amazing. Like they thought that perhaps the vampire sorceress like had an actual important thing to do. That Instead of just cool. like, I'm here now, I'm and then, gone! And then she's gone. Or like that that demon could basically end all magic in the universe if it eats enough of it. That mm-hmm. that was cool. Then he gets defeated by magic. <laughs> I think part of it, and this is a problem that miniseries just have in general, uh, especially if it is a four-issue minute. That's not a lot of time. So if you want to tell a complete story, it needs to be a relatively simple story. Mm. And I feel like this book had too many things it wanted to do in four issues. Did you ever watch, or either of you ever watched the Smallville's TV series way back? Oh, we've done General Murder episode. I watched it. I own all of it, my guy. The, it's bad. This is really bad. This, <laughs> this demon uh, reminds me of, is it Doomsday? Is that what the Superman villain that kills Superman? Yeah, Doomsday. Uh, where the the... the the EMT guy doesn't know he's Doomsday at first, and he just wakes up with dead people everywhere. Oh, that was a very bad storyline, my guy. <laughs> yeah. Why would you remind me about the small and, and demon? Doomsday? He doesn't know he's the demon, and then until he's told, "Hey, you're the demon," and then he's like, "Well, better kill everybody. <laughs> Time to kill my sister." <laughs> okay, I just, I just did some really, really quick reflipping through some of the appearances of the tomb of Zaradna. The best I can figure as to why the Hellfear hadn't been released the other times it had been open was it they didn't open it to the right page what a a plot (laughs) by not Satan here that's that's the that's and that's headcanoning it a little bit like there is there is nothing there except for I'm going to put this book where this kid will probably see it and hopefully it'll interest him enough to open it up and hopefully he opens it to the right page number seventy (laughs) five he probably like bookmarked it a little bit so he'd automatically open it to that page Jesus also the fact I mean you point out this is discount. Uh, Darkhold, and that's Discount Satan. So this really is the store brand of Marvel villains going down. <laughs> it's like Walmart. <laughs> dude, the no. dollar store of evil I things say, happening here. Dude, that's, this is Western family. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. On this side, we have candy that smells funny because it has been here since the early 90s. <laughs> On that side. <laughs> We have 50 different forms of nougat. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> and you don't want to eat any of them. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'd imagine there's other things in that book. He just That was just the page you open up to, and that's the, the, the demon of the day that came I, out. I wonder if, like, that was the, spe- like, as we said, specific plan of, like, okay, make sure he opens this page. Or if he's like, just open it. I don't know, man. If he opens it, something funny will happen, <laughs> and I'm bored this week. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something will happen. Fingers crossed it's the healthier. <laughs> he mentions uh, when Strange is... Is it summoning or resurrecting? Satana? Satana. He mentions she was dead before he had done that ritual. Satana has died a couple of times. She is a succubus. Mm. She is a demon. Mm. I think she's full demon, unlike her brother, Damien Hellstrom, son of Satan. Death is not a big deal to either one of those two. Um, it'll come up in a book that I read not realizing she was in it, and then was like, hell yeah, I'm just doing research. 
uh, Strike Force, which is a really fun book, by the way, it is on Marvel Unlimited, doesn't really care about death. <laughs> they find out that Damien Hellstrom, son of Satan, was murdered, and she's like, whatever, I'll just call up a necromancer in like 20 minutes. Deal with this first, <laughs> and then we'll bring him back. <laughs> we'll get him in. So I, I, Some she, things come back wrong. They're already Satan's kids. Yeah. You can't it's not like he's going to go right. Like, um, <laughs> also, her costume here, not a great... Like, it's probably the best of the... No, Topaz is the best one. But, like, she is probably closest to what Satana should be. But also through a, like, early 2000s reinventionist lens. I mean, she wears a leather jacket and a headband with, like, I don't know if that's her hair doing the fake little demon spikes or if it's part of the headband. I'm pretty sure that's her hair. Usually she wears a costume kind of like Vampirella's, but with uh, less collar and a little more clothes. A little bit more actual fabric. Not much. <laughs> but a little bit. But more. I mean, more than nothing. It's a lot. <laughs> uh, not to tell you to Google something again, but we're not going to cover Vampirella because she's not a Marvel character. But if you want an interesting time... Google the daughter of Draculon. Don't do it where your boss will see, because it's not porn, but he'll be like, what? You or your mom. <laughs> or your mom. Mom would not approve. <laughs> I barely approve. <laughs> Actually, mom might not care. She tattooed a pinup girl on me, but like most other, most moms. <laughs> I love the strange cave. That's fire. I'm over the comment. I don't remember. I re-looked it up this morning. I don't remember. I am having a lot more fun thinking about it in retrospect and being like, this was bad. What was but no it didn't it didn't teach us anything other than you can't trust strange you know what's not also not going to teach us anything new mutants <laughs> so we are switching to the movie time section because we are finishing up witches next week we will be next time we will be watching the eternally delayed film that we never actually thought was going to come out the new mutants the final of the Fox X-Men movie universe. I'm so excited to see it, even though I heard it turned into a dumpster fire. We're looking forward to it in the same way that I was looking forward to reading Witches, and I was not disappointed. Um, I will say Anna Taylor, Anna Taylor Taylor Joy, God, we can tell it's the end of my work week, uh, is supposed to be absolute fire as magic, and I'm very looking forward to that. And I just really love Danny Moonstar, so we'll see how angry I get at her representation. <laughs> That's all the time we have set aside for our lesson today. For those of you staying on the island, the monthly game of Parcheesi starts soon. For everyone else, we hope your cruise back to the wild world of nerdery is swift and safe and super fun. Bon voyage. I don't actually know what Parcheesi is. I call the good team. I don't know what Parcheesi is either. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of New Byland. If you like the show, please hit subscribe. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, that would also be super helpful. As always, we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network and would greatly appreciate it if you could go check out all of our sister shows over at earworm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. A big special thanks to Ian Ford for our theme song and music. We'll catch you next time.